Activate the time portal. Land before time land, land before time land. From the Cretaceous to the Jurassic, from the Great Green Valley to the big, big water. This land was made for time and land. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Land Before Timeland, the podcast where we talk about every single Land Before Time movie. Why the hell did we do this to ourselves? Today's film is The Land Before Time 12, The Great Day of the Flyers. I'm Chris Nebergall. Joining me is Madeline May. Hello. And we have a couple of special guests with us today. Our first time ever having two guests at once, uh, I believe it is. I can't Um, believe, yeah, I can't believe uh, the uh, creators and purveyors of such fine podcasts as Anna Musings, uh, Midnight Marinara, and Undercooked Analysis, as well as a host of others, please welcome the wonderful David and Kayla King. Hello. Hello. So, uh, the, uh, the Land Before Time series is a bit of a... Um, terrifying spiral down which we we have all decided to fall together what is prior to us making you watch this movie what is your history both of you with the land before time franchise uh do you want to start first time i might as well um i think the last time i saw any of these was um because i'm trying to think i've definitely seen the first one a number of times and i watched uh, quite a few of the the sequels up to a certain point. Like, I, it, it, when you have a younger sibling and your younger sibling has a dinosaur phase, it definitely helps. You don't have to make excuses. If you love the series, <laughs> just say you love the series. I tolerate the series, but I love the first movie. I, I will admit, despite its flaws, I have a soft spot for The Land Before Time 5, but... That's about it. Oh, that's the uh, um, that's the mysterious that's the one, island. Mysterious, mysterious island yeah. because they have the song about big water and it gets stuck in your head. Yes, <laughs> um, my favorite song is in there. Uh, friends for dinner. Don't that's wanna my be friends, friends for dinner. dinner. Yeah, that's my that's my favorite. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think I've seen one since. Um, was was the one? It's the one where there was. Uh, like Petrie had an uncle and the uncle was the villain kind of Uncle yeah. Toronto Uncle Toronto and then there were two there were two dinosaurs that might have been aliens they were aliens they were, aliens. They were 100% <laughs> yeah. aliens um, wow that's actually really funny uh, David because that was also the last one that I watched uh, before we did this podcast oh that was also the I, one that drove us the, the moment, most insane. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the last one I saw because at a certain point I could, you know, I could deal with it. And then they were, you know, then the two dinosaurs literally disappeared in a flash of light and flew away. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm done forever. <laughs> and I haven't touched the land before time again until you convinced me to, uh, watch a movie several movies later uh, that I've never seen. <laughs> well, it sounds one. like you actually may have had a little bit more of a background uh, compared to some of our other guests who were like, I maybe saw yeah. the first one. I kind <laughs> of remember Chopper, maybe. And that's about it. Yeah, it seems like the, the statistical average is that people saw the first one when they were kids and then maybe one or two more. So you've missed all these exciting continuity developments <laughs> that have happened over the years, like... Anyway, uh, <laughs> what about what about what about you, Kayla? Uh, weirdly enough, very similar to yours. Um, but that's because uh, my 
childhood is very full of crappy animated films, um, <laughs> just in general. I now the first one had an influence on me, of course, like I, like any good um, Don Blue film would. Uh, I remember actually um, when I ate broccoli as a kid, I would call them trees because of that film. So Aww. yeah, that was a cute thing. I did watch. I mean, uh, tree stars look really tasty. Yeah, let's be they real. do. Oh my god! <laughs> when I was a kid, I was like. Oh, <laughs> but um i did watch like i think like you i think i watched up to and i'm looking right now to see when what the last one might be because i do remember mysterious island i remember chomp and like saw. i'm looking through it like uh the last one i can recall stone of cold fire probably sounds like the most familiar but i'm not sure if i'm remembering like the no trailers. that's that's the one with uncle toronto and the, and the and aliens. aliens and the aliens yeah then i didn't see that beyond prob- the mysterious so it beyond. was i think but secret of source rock i think i saw secret of source rock I that's think the, that was probably that's the cowboy one that's number six that's yeah. the cowboy one yep yeah okay i've one seen of, that one. one of my favorites yeah one, one of the best we think in the franchise like yeah. now not a joke. <laughs> I I actually have to. I actually would say that I do remember very specifically the way. Uh, was it Kenneth? Was Kenneth Mars playing Grandpa? Yes. In those. Kenneth, well, Kenneth, Kenneth Mars, Mars has been Grandpa throughout. Yeah. No, that okay. was, that was weird when I was like, wait, it's Kenneth Mars, as in Hans Liebkin, Kenneth Mars, King, Tri- King Triton, Kenneth Mars. Yes. Like, I mean, I think people get very excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I will always remember about that is just the way he would specifically say. The Lone Dinosaur. Yeah. He would never say it any other way but The Lone Dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. Look, he the had a, Lone he had a, Dinosaur. He was making money. He had a career. I'm very proud of him. <laughs> so you, you, you both sound like you're, you're very um, in tune to the lore of... <laughs> okay, more- not... Not that into okay, but compared compared to what our, our our normal guests, you've seen a lot of them. This one actually has a little bit of continuity, first time ever. Really? <laughs> Except I guess oh I guess Chomper I guess counts, but you but don't. Yeah, Tria, the the character of Tria, who is Sarah's new mom, comes from yeah. the last movie, the yes. one we just watched. We before meet this her one. in the one before this. Okay, I was wondering when. Yeah. Uh, the step step ceratops entered the system. <laughs> yeah, because because I was like, why is she acting like this is like her first child? And then it's like, oh wait, it is her first child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Mister Mister yeah. Threehorn, whose real name is Daddy Tops. Daddy Tops, yes. Um, <laughs> Daddy Tops was a single parent until the last movie when when he met his yeah. old high school girlfriend Tria, and she, I guess, dinosaur married him. Yeah, they. Yeah, I so. mean, can can you blame him? He's a hot young dad in his prime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with uh, just incredible personality just like <laughs> the nicest guy probably not doing hate crimes i i don't know if you, <laughs> yeah. i don't know if you remember but like in all the previous movies mr threehorn is is basically like a dinosaur trumper like he is he is a caricature of of the american toxic masculinity conservative oh, oh yeah three i mean even in the first movie three horns never play with long necks right that's right oh my god that's his and only that's what... line in that movie and they're like well i guess that's just his personality for these sequels yeah. <laughs> and and that's why sarah's kind of a bitch yeah like... <laughs> yeah no we've We've uh, gone through this many a time. We have. We could write a, a book at this point on just the psychology of Sarah. Sarah's Sarah's <laughs> by far the most like richly developed character in terms of how her upbringing has influenced her specific issues. Well, we and don't really know any of the other parents besides um, Mister Threehorn and, and Grandpa and Grandma. Um, the other like 
this is the first one where I think we actually really hear any of Petrie's mom. Yeah, Pe- but, Petrie's yeah. mom like like has has more lines in this movie than she's ever had combined. Yeah, and any of the other ones. movies. I thought so because the moment she started talking, I was like. Why does that voice make me think of an Aurora Borealis in a kitchen? Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Seymour? Seymour, <laughs> the house is on fire. I, no, there was a point David was like, who is this? And I'm like, it's Trust McNeil. And he was like, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, yeah. you can also just say, um, wow, there is a woman in a cartoon who is voicing her. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, it's it's if fun. it's not her, it's it's Cree Summer. Or it's <laughs> what a great industry. Well, I yeah. th- we, we are getting into it, so let let's just dive right, right in. Uh, Land Before Time, twelve, the day of the flyers. Uh, we open up with the uh, the the famous Universal Studios logo, but little do we know it's about to go back in time. Yeah, the Universal logo turns into Pangea before our eyes. Wait, wait, wait! Didn't they use like Comic Sans for the? Yes, they <laughs> the- did. Yes, so I I don't know if you remember from the other movies, all of these films, 100% of them, have the same opening. They have the same, like, millions of years ago kind of opening. Yeah, it's always space or water. But this one is by far the laziest one of all that there's ever been. Even the narrator sounds like he doesn't want to be there. Like, he's just like, ah, fucking... Millions, there's dinosaurs, or I don't know, whatever. At a certain point, they just need to have whoever voiced Mr. DNA come in and just be like, (laughs) dinosaurs, long time ago. That would that would really spruce up the franchise. You could even splice. You could literally splice in the uh, the opening of the Super Mario Brothers movie, and you'd be like, (laughs) long time ago, the Earth was ruled by dinosaurs. Dude, I can't (laughs) wait for that crossover. Um, Well, I mean, we the character that gets introduced. Maybe very well fit well in the Super Mario. No, well that's what happens at the end of the Super Mario Brothers movie when uh, Daisy's like, "You're not gonna believe it." It's, like, it's little talking children dinosaur cartoons. Uh, it's not so over here. Get 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 down. Big reset button was hit on Dino Hatton, and then when they go there, it's a barren wasteland in the Great Valley. Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, yep. 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 And, yeah. Um, so yeah, low effort uh, opening. They're just like, let's just fucking start this movie. This is we're twelve in. Holy shit! Um, can, so, we, can we acknowledge though that the bit where there's a dinosaur that climbs on a rock goes row and then immediately dies? turns into a skeleton. Yes, I <laughs> yeah. love that. But then the skeleton gets surrounded by sparkles. Yeah, yeah. The, the, There's a dinosaur that that we see collapse on a dude and then it fades into a skeleton and it's like, oh, dark land before yeah, time. Yeah, like fucking pixies killed. Her. <laughs> it, it, it made me think of the rite of spring from uh, Fantasia. Yeah. yeah well, this Wait, whole like, this whole series is just like, what if we did that, but like. Like worse. That, that's literally yes. like how the first movie got made. Steven Spielberg was like, "Let's let's just do the Rite of Spring as an entire movie." But yeah, so uh, we open on our on our characters, our our gang, uh, who are staring at the sky. And for a moment, I was thinking, like, did they just discover clouds? Like, what are they? <laughs> what are they what doing? I was like, like, they're just waiting for the rain to start so they can drown by staring <laughs> up at it. <laughs> Uh, there's some funny moments here. Uh, there's, there's some, 
Uh, there's a point here where uh, Spike accidentally knocks over Ducky, and Ducky says, Oh, you know I do not like it when I get bumped off of things. I do not like getting bumped off of things. Yeah, she gets knocked off a small <laughs> precipice and is like, You know I do not like it when you throw me off cliffs, Spike. That's <laughs> fucking but cool. What they, are, what they are doing, staring up at the sky, is looking for Petrie, because Petrie and the Flyers are up there flying. Uh, doing doing their flying practice. It's flying day, flying days coming up, I guess. Question mark. Yeah, the, 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 the day of the flyers is coming up. Uh, while I mean, while this is happening, before we actually figure out what's going on, we're introduced to uh, Tara and Threehorn, uh, whose relationship is going great. You planning to stare at it till it hatches? <laughs> hey, I can if I want to. I, I, I know. <laughs> uh, there's yes. no problems there whatsoever. Tria has Having laid a total egg. normal conversation about this egg. And they are they are just bickering over uh, over whether or not the egg is is too warm, too cold, and they're just they're just fighting over the care of the egg. And uh, we we see the um, uh, beginning of the of the emotional conflict in this movie, which is that the B plot. The, the B, B plot. plot. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's debatable. Honestly, this could very well be the A plot. Also. <laughs> it Which, has yeah, more conflict than the A it, plot. It has, yeah. a, it has at least as much screen time, for sure. Uh, so who, who fucking knows? Which predictably is uh, Sarah uh, feeling left out because there's a new baby in the family. Uh, yeah, I love how like Tara just becomes... Uh, Tria. Mo- uh, Tria. It's not Tara. Tria, whatever the fuck. Uh, Tria... Uh, Tria um, the bright pink dinosaur um, <laughs> is um, just going momzilla on her egg, setting the feminism movement back at least three hundred years. <laughs> and, sixty-five uh, million years. Sixty-five million years. Thank you. And yeah, Sarah's like, well, what about me? I'm over here, fucking focus on me and not the egg. And then she like leaves. There's a part where she says like, oh, I'm going to the mysterious beyond, and like to show that the parents aren't paying attention. I'm heading out to the mysterious beyond to see if I can get eaten by a sharp tooth. Okay, don't be late. Have fun. But I believe the parents did hear that line because <laughs> yeah. they literally go to the mysterious beyond in every one of these movies. So, <laughs> there's, there's, so three there's, is probably like, yeah, that's yeah, you do that. Yeah, that's fine. You do that every day. I, I have a I have a continuity question. Yes, yes. Because like you know, the mysterious beyond is just a barren Frank Herbert esque wasteland outside. As far right? as we've ever seen, yeah. Yes. There, yeah. There, there's one movie where there's a couple movies where they go beyond it. And like different areas of it are green for whatever right. reason. But in so the general, Great Valley is not the only like pocket of of hope in this place potentially because I know the island wasn't part of the Great Valley. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, there, there, the are, there are other green places, but they they seem to be interspersed amongst wasteland. There's a general like atmosphere of apocalypse going on in this. Yeah, whole yeah. I mean that's the idea. Is that uh, the thing that's always hovering over these movies is the idea that. These are just little pockets of like that are going to eventually shrink as the planet continues to change because presumably the land before the first land before time starts as the dinosaurs are slowly dying off. That's the way I always saw it. I think so, that's what it's supposed to be the intention also like it's was not meant to have a sequel like um, right. the, the first movie uh, one of our guests pointed this out is is very much a, a Mormon allegory for paradise <laughs> yeah because um, created by Jewish men but whatever <laughs> no uh, Don Bluth was Mormon uh, oh that's right Don oh Bluth was Mormon so yeah. that so there's a lot well, of well I mean yeah. it's hard to tell like when Spielberg and Don Bluth get together like who's 
story it is because clearly i mean american tale was totally steven spielberg's story right that's oh, yeah. that's definitely his land before time is kind of a toss <laughs> well the after land before time spielberg and don bluth parted ways over creative yes. differences that they experienced on that movie so. yes makes sense but yeah i guess my question is uh or my question is it the the the, the other thing that makes the mysterious beyond so dangerous is, is a that the valley is supposed to be sheltered from the things that are out there right yes right ostensibly yeah. although in the sequels every predator imaginable somehow does manage to get into the great valley yes 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 they do you'd think it would be a super contested point among the dinosaurs because all the predators would be like hey we need you know water and greenery to survive too at, at, at the very least the water or, or even just like other um uh leaf eaters like other plant eaters would come in and be like hey why do you have all of the shit in the Great Valley? We also want to live here yeah. all the time. And there was there should be like battles. It should be like um Game of Thrones shit going on. <laughs> well well the citizens of the Great Valley are super xenophobic every time somebody migrates through they their are, valley. Yes, a lot of xenophobia oh in, in, in the series. That's um, true. Yeah. The That's random true. moment with, yeah, that we'll get we'll, into. We'll get to that because that part's coming up. Uh, um, yeah, it's in this. Ahead. It's in every single movie, and you know, ten out of ten times, it's Mister Threehorn, uh, <laughs> just 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 doing it. It's I I have a theory that the the Great Valley would have a lot less problems if Mr. Threehorn wasn't there. Like, if they just, <laughs> if they just banished him from the Great Valley, that's it. There would be no more conflicts because <laughs> everything is his beyond, fault. And you get eaten by the sharp teeth. Yes. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, the, the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And I think he needs to understand that, honestly. So, any who sits or what sits, uh, this scene ends of Sarah just storming off. I have a sister. And they see Petrie uh, is flying in a military formation, learning how to do bomb strikes on the enemies. <laughs> That yeah. come to try and take the Great Valley, like we were talking about earlier. He's flying in that like migratory bird formation with the other baby uh, pteranodons uh, because um, apparently the Great Day of the Flyers is coming up, which I guess is like flyer bar mitzvah. It's the or day they some, become or a man. Or something like that. It's it's a it's a bird mitzvah for sure. And, bird mitzvah. <laughs> Um, well, it's funny because like Petrie, all of a sudden, while doing this very simple formation, I guess just like commits mutiny and just knocks over all of the other <laughs> flyers and they die, I guess. They just Watching bump. them fall out of the sky from the distance yeah. is so funny. Oh just my like, God. <sighs> and they just like crash. And um, we find out that, that Petrie isn't very good at, at taking directions when it comes to flying. And his, his brothers and sisters uh, are just yelling at him. They're just like screaming, I can't believe you do this. And Petrie must be going, I didn't even know any of you could talk. This is the <laughs> first time I've heard any of you say anything in these movies. This is really Dude, weird. I'm surprised they don't all talk like Petrie, though. Well, a couple of them do. Petrie is the only one that goes, <laughs> me, me do this. Oh, that's true. Me he was, that. well, I think that suggests something unfortunate about petrie's birth but anyway um yeah they um one of my favorite moments here is when everyone's crashing down uh petrie's mother comes in and just automatically assumes it's his fault oh petrie not again <laughs> it just comes in like oh petrie god damn it it would be petrie though it's like again the implication is there yeah he is uh, not not he's the only 
may have cracked a little early in the, in the hatching process. Let's oh, say there's, that. There's, this whole, but, there's this whole angle throughout this entire film, you know, that Petrie is just like the late bloomer flyer. You know, he's the clumsiest flyer. He's the worst at flying. And, and I'm just watching the whole movie like, you've had so many perilous adventures up to this point, Petrie. You should be the best I, flyer. I thought it was yeah, like a plot no. point in even the first movie that Petrie was bad at flying and then he redeems himself and becomes good at flying and then it, they repeated that ad nauseum in all the other movies. That's like something that seems to come up a lot. Well, yeah, I think again, it's well, and, again, and that's what we learned that the, the, the movie is being specific that he's really bad at flying with other flyers. By mm. himself, he can fly great, but when he's in a group... Uh, it just goes to shit, which is much like when I would get uh, picked for team sports. That's totally fair. <laughs> that's totally fair because um, honestly, I would be confused too if all my brothers and sisters just looked like Super Smash Brothers uh, recolors of me. <laughs> yeah, they're, and they're I'd get playing lost, fucking like... eight-player uh, Smash Bros. Do you, okay, what no, is no, happening? No, no, I, I want to play yellow Petrie. I want to play purple Petrie. <laughs> there's <laughs> moment, there was like quick moments where you'd where be like, Okay, which one is fucking Petrie? Because they put the three brown. Oh, dude, fucking Petrie. No, like... Pe no, Petrie's OP. They had to ban him from tourneys. <laughs> he just dominated uh, Battlefield every time. It was just That's wasn't true. They, had, they couldn't use the level. Yeah. And Kayla's, Kayla's best with. Kayla always insists on playing uh, Petri, brown Petrie with yellow bill, but I'm always brown Petrie with orange bill. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's an absolute nightmare. Um, no, they're just totally. I don't know what Sakurai was thinking. But anyway. Um, um, also, his siblings are so shitty to him. Yeah, like, they are all of them awful yeah just horribly mean to him they're like you're the worst of all of us Petrie, you'll never get it right yeah you don't pay attention you flap your wings at the wrong time you're, you're hopeless. hopeless and like ouch <laughs> I don't see any of you such a fuck up. I don't see any of them saving the Great Valley every day. Like Petrie is, so whatever. I mean, in the in the greater timeline, like not that much time has passed because they're all still infants. Yeah, I mean, I've they're all children. I've said this on a previous episode, but I I have a fan theory that one of these movies takes place every week. Yes, in the Great Valley. We 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 are watching the events of one year. Yes, the Great. Valley cool. with the Great Valley, the best place in the world that also has this cataclysmic, cataclysmic events and horrible like tragedies. Cataclysmic, thank you, because <laughs> uh, they have claws. They're dinosaurs. Yeah. And the hey. um, point is, is that it seems like uh, a nightmare. It happens every week in the Great Valley. Yeah. But it's, I guess, still better than what's going on outside, which I shiver to think about. I mean, I have my theory that the Great Valley is a super volcano waiting to explode, but I've I've talked about that too many times. I mean, outside of the Great Valley is basically just the plot of. Uh, 2000's Dinosaur, Disney's <laughs> 2000 movie Dinosaur. Yeah, which, which is, is a the same movie. Of Land Before basically. Time. Oh yeah, it's yeah. um yeah it's it's yeah we have a commentary on that on our uh, one of our YouTube shows. Although, yeah, although if we hadn't if oh, we hadn't we done that for Remain Seated, we would not have had the idea to do this whole show. That is so. true. That gave us the idea to do the podcast. Was watching because yeah. we watched the we, we, yeah we watched Dinosaur and we're like this is basically the plot of Land Before Time and it was. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we, we've actually covered uh, that. We've covered Dinosaur on uh, Animazings. Oh, so hell yeah. We, yeah. So I can safely say, I actually, okay. And, I'm and, so glad I'm done with that movie. Yeah. I never want to see it again. <laughs> I can safely say this, is this what we just watched, is a better movie than Dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's probably true. I, I mean, uh, Disney's Dinosaur could be the worst animation they've, they've ever made, That at least that went to theaters. <laughs> I mean, maybe Home on the Range is worse. I guess those are the ones I was always finding in my head. 
But it's a very bad uh, movie. I wait and uh, so David and I actually are coming up on that. Um, and I think the two worst has to be either Home on the Range. Well, no, actually, Dinosaur is awful. But between Home on the Range and Chicken Little, Chicken Little is its own. I horror. you know what I I don't hate chicken little i know and, people say it's the worst one but like it's bad but it's also like i i really think there are worse ones than that if and honestly if you derive joy from it that's what's most oh yeah important. that's probably fun. i have never seen it so i'm gonna be going into it blind but it did not look appealing to me when i was when it was in theaters i, I know i, kid, I know people so. say it's the worst one and it is like a really it's not a good movie but it's also like i mean come on i don't think it's the the worst thing they've ever well, done well, it's been a while since um, well, I, it's been a while since I've seen either film. Did you see Chicken Little yet? No. No, I, I was just like, I, like I said, I have not actually seen Chicken Little even okay. once. So yeah. this, when we get to it, it'll be new for me. Yeah. And, and I, you know, it has it has been uh, since it came out, yeah. as, 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 since I've seen it. So um, I could have a very different opinion now if, if I watch mm-hmm. it now. Well, speaking of the worst thing anyone's well, let's, ever seen, let's let's warm up to this. Yeah. So right so, so so Sarah is. Uh, very jealous uh, of the egg still. Tria is just being a huge problem <laughs> and, hor- and and horribly offensive. Um, our friends start walking through this tall um, uh, PlayStation 1 era grass field. <laughs> By the way, the animation quality in this is fascinating to watch. There's like moments where you're like, wow, it's actually pretty good. And then moments where you're like, I don't think they realize the size of their characters. Oh no. It's compared um, to each other. This one is pretty bad. It's not the worst in this series, Um, but this is pretty bad uh, animation wise. Petrie and, and Sarah are complaining about their families because they just have both have shitty families and uh while all this happening happens um we hear a, a rustling in the grass and what should come stumbling <laughs> out but perhaps the most anti-semitic dinosaur i have ever <laughs> seen in my life hi i'm really sorry if you were disturbed and not that anyone's saying you're disturbed least of all me i mean you know in the sense of being uh, not all there you're you're obviously all there. I mean, just look at you. You're right. <laughs> so, so listeners, imagine, imagine this. Imagine a, a tiny little uh, feathered theropod that is voiced by Rob Paulson doing a Woody Allen impression. <laughs> and you have. I would, I would, I would argue it's 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 Woody Allen adjacent. Like yeah. it's not even. No, but okay. So we we actually made this a movie night with friends. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. All we right. were all... This is a tradition we have. <laughs> yes. with friends. All right. So, like, so we actually have a group of friends that uh, we'll watch bad movies with. Um, because we need to watch this for a podcast. You down to join us? And they were like, "Hell yeah!" All so, right, yeah. And, Make it uh, work. Yeah. <laughs> One of our friends, uh, who is a huge movie geek as well, um, uh, actually laughed his ass off and says, "What is this fucking Woody Allen motherfucker?" <laughs> no, it's 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 so amazingly offensive. Like yeah. the dinosaur comes out, like, oh, I'm sorry, I was walking oh, through the grass I, I and just, I stepped I didn't mean on, to bump into you. Oh, I, I was stepped in my wood, my sinuses oh. were just going crazy, and all even. <laughs> and I'm like, how could this even get? How could this get any better? And what? then he oh, says, and name. then he says, his name is Guido. <laughs> <laughs> and I just fucking 
to lose it. Dude, Chris and I were like laughing for five straight minutes. Oh no, we all were too. As soon as we heard Guido, we were like, "Are you shitting me?" I had to remind, rewind it. Like, no, us. they did not That's say Guido. Did, like, oh my god, got, I misheard that. And then later, later, I hear it again. When Petrie's like inviting the dinosaur to the nest, he's like, here's Guido. And I'm like, oh my lord. <laughs> this movie is a hate crime. This is um, yeah. 100% a hate crime. It's it's incredible. Um, oh my god. Yeah, it's it's really bad. And there is there is a stupid land before time logic reason that his name is Guido, which I can boringly get into if you care. Please let me know. Cause I know. I I'm, I okay. need to know. Why so, why is why is an <laughs> a, a like this uh, Jewish stereotype being named as an Italian like. Almost slur? I, I don't think it's a slur. It's a like it's a it's a stereotype for sure. Well, the but... Guido, like the term Guido, is kind of offensive. But no, well, well, it's actually a prequel because after this movie, uh, the dinosaur flies into space and starts a junkyard salesmanship on Tatooine. <laughs> oh God! And gets, hey, you the so, guy in the fly? You want to buy the disdain? So all of the dinosaur names in Land Before Time are some kind of like shortened name that's derived from the name of the dinosaur, Unless right? Unless they forget. Like, Sarah is Triceratops, you know, yeah, like Petrie is for Pteranodon. Littlefoot's the only one that's different. Well, um, Guido, you see, is a Microraptor, and Microraptors, that's the genus name. The species name is Gui, G-U-I. I don't know what that means, but that's the species name of Microraptor. So somebody looked that up and was like, Gui, we can, we can have him called Guido. And that's no. the answer. And uh, somehow what? he was not fired for saying <laughs> yeah, that. This <laughs> came out in 2006. What the fuck? Like, this isn't like, like oh, we didn't know. Yeah, this fuck is just off. before the franchise died. Yeah, it petered out in 2007, and then they waited like 10 years and then tried to reboot it. And the 14th movie is actually a failed reboot. Oh, um, wow. And then it, it didn't work, and so the franchise died again. Oh my! It God. went extinct, if you will. Yeah, multiple times. Hey. But so, you know, know, I would, I would not, I would not be surprised that this comes back very, very soon uh, in in our world. Any, <laughs> anyway. So after after this amazing moment that changed my life forever, <laughs> Guido. Uh, Guido. Oh, uh, they I'm, think Guido. it changed us all. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. My my name is is is, is Guido uh, Lichtenstein. I. Just uh, <laughs> I'm looking for my cousin uh, Petrie Goldstein, and uh, what, what cracks me up is it, it it is so Rob Paulson too at the same time. Oh, it's yeah, like yeah, you, you it's... cannot unhear like he's not even hiding it. Hiding it. It's just Rob Paulson kind of doing a Woody Allen impression. Yeah, it's yeah. like Rob. It's like no, like we know it's you, Rob Paulson. Like we hate you for doing this. Like this is like, you're <laughs> not hiding this. <laughs> Why are okay. you doing this, Rob Paulson? <laughs> I, I have okay. I've met Rob Paulson. He's a very nice guy. Uh, so I'm I not can't... saying he's not. I oh, just yeah. have questions about his choice in this movie. He got it's paid mu- to it's do a part. Money. It's called money. It, it was. I bet it was more like, hey, I was. He was already doing the voice of Spike, and because um, it. And yeah, I forgot. Right. He's also uh, he's also Mr. Clubtail. Yes. Yeah, he and, does, he does a lot of voices. He does in a this lot franchise. of incidental voices throughout this series. Yeah. yeah. And th- they're like, hey, you want to play this character? He's like, oh yeah, that sounds like fun. What's my name? Guido. Well, I'm already here, so. <laughs> well, I might as well make him racist. 
Hell yeah. <laughs> Knock it out of the park again, Rob. <laughs> hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna do this and pay me for it anyway, I might as well just have fun with the part. So I mean, why not? <laughs> oh, again, again, nothing against Rob Paul Sandberg. This is not this podcast is yeah. an attack on Rob Paul Sandberg. No. That is, is my woke. other podcast called uh anna failey and um where we just talk about how horrible and we do a lot of libel against rob paulson in that podcast but not in this one that's a separate one 2006 is pre-woke um yeah we we didn't invent uh, we didn't invent um not being racist or anti-semitic until 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 the year yeah until uh the next decade Uh. (laughs) oh my god so 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 guido guido is on the scene (laughs) yes he is guido is on the scene scene. baby yeah guido's yeah oh i'm just hanging out on the scene have you have you met my daughter we're married his her name is This podcast is just going to be 95% us doing the very same racist voice that we're complaining about. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, and, and thank God we're all... Um, okay, anyway, they sing a song. We're all they what? Sing, <laughs> they sing a song. It's it's uh, they, they sing a song about being one of a kind. One of a kind. Me think me'd like to be one of a kind. It's very nice to be the only me up in the sky. Yeah, because Petrie is upset that he is not good at flying in a group and he wishes that he could just be one of a kind. And they contrive an excuse for that to be the same as Sarah's (laughs) conflict of worrying about not being paid attention to because she has a sister now. Well, I think that actually They're is... They're both having family yeah. issues, yeah, yeah, I basically. Think that, I think that's relevant. Well, I think it is both the same thing. Like, Sarah is um, jealous that she's not going to be, like, the special only child anymore. And that's a common, a very common trope in, in children's animation. And I think it's it's relatively well done for as well done as, as, as a, a stupid movie like this can do it. Now, are any of you, like, older siblings or, like, old enough that, like, you remember when you're younger sibling was born did you i do okay so do you ever have any memory of like feeling like oh i can't believe i'm getting a new sibling oh yeah oh okay yeah well i mean i was i can you know i have memories of being four okay and when my younger brother was born i'm like oh i'm not the center of attention anymore oh that you actually did think that yeah i'm like hmm and then it was but then it it was so fleeting yeah i it was legit just fleeting i i was only two and a half when my sister oh, okay. younger sister was born so yeah. i have no memory of that yeah no it is common enough like again they keep doing this trope so i figure somebody must um well it, be yeah, into yeah. It. it was about this point though that i realized i knew exactly where this movie was gonna go based on under my general understanding of ch- the the story tropes in children's animated media so yeah um the rest of the movie kind of wrote itself in my <laughs> in, head in a weird way though it's kind of <laughs> nice like after the like her younger half sister is born she's not so much of a shit to it like there's moments where there's been in like other movies where it's like oh my younger sibling's born so i'm gonna it's this horrible thing how dare it uh progress movie for example yeah. oh um, god i thought it was gonna be exactly like that but i agree I, i'm happy that they went in a different direction with it yeah yeah i'll pr- credit where credit is due i will in give a her very credit tired, for that in a very tired trope look mm. look everyone sometimes a uh, movie good yeah <laughs> movie not always Mo- bad sometimes movie. sometimes movie good 
Then sometimes movie have Guido. Then it best movie. <laughs> sometimes movie is great. <laughs> Some, sometimes movie have Guido, and it's better than dinosaur. <laughs> so the other dinosaurs look at Guido. They see his giant wing-like arm span. They see his aerodynamic figure, and they're like, "What can he possibly do?" <laughs> Uh, and what is the, it that Guido um, is? Can he swim? <laughs> well, what what cracks me up too is is uh, Mr. Threehorn in typical Mr. Threehorn fashion is being like, "I'm going to be racist against you." I don't know who or what you are, but we don't like noise around here. Some of us are trying to hatch eggs. Yes, we don't like your kind. And, and, and your kind don't belong in this valley. Whatever your kind. Oh my are. god! And then like he accidentally falls into the mud. And everyone starts laughing at him, including Sarah, who just stares daggers into her father's eyes, like in a terrifying, almost like when uh, the the judge in Who Framed Roger Rabbit looks at uh, uh, Eddie Valiant. Eddie Valiant. Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's a hilarious moment where, like, everybody's laughing at Mr. Threehorn, who fell into the mud, and Ducky, like, suddenly stops herself from laughing, like, oh shit, Sarah's gonna kill me. And she looks over at Sarah. And Sarah's laughing even harder, which like gives Ducky permission to keep laughing. It's it's really that's, funny. That's a cute little moment, actually. Oh yeah, everyone is terrified of of Sarah. Like that's very much a, a running gag in this series is that she is a horrifying creature. So hereafter begins a lengthy sequence of the other dinosaurs trying to figure out what Guido is. Guido, you see, has just spontaneously generated uh, inside the <laughs> landscape, I guess, because he has no notion of what he is and has never seen another member of his kind. And yet he knows his name is fucking Guido. Well, I think it has to be amnesia, right? Even though they'd never say that. And yeah, they never say that, though. I, I have a theory about this, but, but I want to I put a pin in that. Okay. And I'll explain where, at least, it, it's dumb, Keep in mind, it's going off continuously, continuing dumb logic, but I think they kind of explain it a little later in the film, but when we get to it, I'll pull that pin back out. Got okay. it. And I, I do think it's amnesia, and the reason they don't say that is because they don't they, they don't have cool words like that in Land Before Time. They keep making up, like, <laughs> nonsense, I have like Skywater. I have to forget my lifey thoughts. Yes, whatever the fuck. Like, they call, they call dreams um, sleep stories in the 10th the movie. And it's just oh. a bunch of really like they, what they call a volcano fire rocks or smoky pits or they, they just they just change it all the time. And mm -hmm. it's um, so that's what I think. I think Guido does have some kind of amnesia or he's just another dumb dinosaur of which there are many, many, in, many, in, many, in, many, many, many in the series. <laughs> um, I want to point out one of these um, these uh, moments where Guido is trying to learn about himself. Uh, with the character Mr. Clubtail, who fucking rules? I love Mr. Clubtail. I love Mr. Clubtail too. So, so the setup for the scene is they're taking Guido to every different dinosaur in the Great Valley to say, "Are you, uh, uh, are you a long neck? Well, long necks eat leaves. Do you like this leaf? Oh no, you don't like the leaf because apparently Guido's never fucking eaten before and he doesn't know what he eats. <laughs> so that's a mood. And you know they eating. keep going from dinosaur to dinosaur. Like, are you one of these things? And they go to Mr. Clubtail. Tail, the Ankylosaurus, and I, he's, he's the best. Well, at the end of my tail, I got a bopper. You got a bopper? Maybe. Uh, what is a bopper? That's a bopper.
He's awesome. Like, all right, do you have a, a tail? You, you got a you got a bonker on it or whatever the hell he says. A bopper. A, he bopper. a bopper. You got a bopper? Got like, a... What's a bopper? He's like knocks him down. Like, yeah, gotcha. He's like, well, you, to be a club tail, you gotta have a tail. You got you got a tail? Yeah, I got a tail. I got a bopper on the end of my tail. <laughs> like so good. I don't have a bopper. Oh, what do you what do you do with a bopper? And then he just like full force hits him. Dude, he is, he's so cool. He is so awesome. Sock and bopper, sock and boppers. Uh, and then, and they go to Mister Three Horners like I will literally murder you if you come one step <laughs> yeah, he closer. Literally says, don't even think yeah. about it. I love the moment they're just walking up to Mister Three Horn. Mister Three Horn just straight up just goes, No, don't even think about it. And without missing a beat, they just turn around. And start walking the that other way. Actually, yeah. was a really good, funny moment. No, it that was, was legit no, funny. It, it was really funny. There, uh, there are periodic, uh, like actual good jokes. Yeah, there are some funny moments in this for sure. <laughs> the I will say it, it is funny to hear Rob Paulson talking to himself for a little bit because you know with Mr. Clubtail and Guido for a second, I'm like oh yeah, they're same voice actor. Oh yeah, that I happens mean, a lot in this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I don't realize it, but it's always fun. It's always funny to me to hear. It's like when you're playing Skyrim and it's like oh, find spot the Jim Cummings and then see if you can get two of the same NPC to you know, talk. To each other, I've been so thinking a lot about Jim Cummings because I just started rewatching um, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and he does like every voice in that show. <laughs> Basically, that every is voice. true. Because there are there are only four voice actors in that entire program, and they just give them all the voices, and they give like ninety percent of them to Jim Cummings, who's just literally just arguing with himself <laughs> yeah. in like every scene. To the point where I'm like, there has to be another voice actor in the room, right? Like, you don't have to give another one to Jim Cummings. It's like Tress McNeil, Corey Burton, Jim Cummings, and the Optimus Prime guy are like all the only voice actors yeah. in that show. <laughs> it's it's great. It's um it's very fun. As we move on, we see Petrie attempt um flying with friends again this time we learn that he's uh, afraid of clouds or sky sky puffs i think they're called right yes sky sky puffies sky puffies part of a sky, complete breakfast sky i heard sky puppies the first time like wait a minute no then i was like sky puppies like that makes somehow more sense and then less sense at the same time well, i mean when if, I first if puppies had evolved by by this point i would i would i would be mad <laughs> <laughs> well, the well, land before puppies well, because uh, the one joke that, that. The, the joke Dave and I have had, uh, or I, I think in general, we've always called bats guy puppies. So there's, <laughs> so when I heard that, there was a moment I'm like, wait, are there bats in this? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, puffies. <laughs> right, because when I because th- when I look at a bat, I'm like, oh, I want to pet that instead yeah. of run as fast yes. as I can. Although to be fair, if puppies did appear. There's less time in geologic time between between Sarah and a puppy than there should be between Sarah and Spike. So. <laughs> Which Spike is basically a puppy. Let's be honest here. That's true. Yeah, he is. He is like a dog. I think uh, eventually we get to the hatching of the egg that we've all been waiting for. The egg. Eggs. 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 Oh yeah, Eggs. this is a weird scene because the whole time um I you know I'm hearing uh Tria make these like excited like noises as the egg is hatching like oh here it comes here it comes I'm like she sounds like she's in labor as this is happening though. Oh gross. Um yeah. <laughs> But, so it's like vicariously, she's like, I know I already laid the egg, but while it's hatching, I'm going to go ahead and make some sounds here that sound kind of vaguely like, like I couldn't I, get that out of my I head think for that's, some reason. I think that's the, the audio metaphor joke they're going for. 
Um, yeah, it was kind of <laughs> you know for the kids. And every single it was not lost on me. And 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 every single person in the Great Valley shows up to this egg hatching as if it's Simba being presented at Pride Rock. And I'm like, <laughs> do they do this for every birth in the entire Great Valley? I said, no, I don't, yep. I, no, I don't think so. I think just this one because they're just amazed that Mr. Threehorn produced offspring again. <laughs> yeah. Like, one was, one was a happy accident or unhappy accident in this case. But they're like, wait, he... An, another three horn like allowed herself <laughs> to be penetrated by the the monster <laughs> that is Mister Three Horn. <laughs> All right, yeah. Oh my god. And and again, they have a perfect relationship, like like we've mentioned, it's, including it's... the the scene where where they're sleeping and Tria's like, um, hey, you're gonna smash the egg. Please leave. <laughs> Please get out of here. Scoot over. Um, more. Oh, honey, come on. Move farther away. Oh, my God. They sleep a lot around that egg. And when they wake up and find the egg gone, it's no one's fault but theirs. That's like, true. come on. Yeah. They're just negligent parents. Yeah, that, that is absolutely true. And the, the egg finally hatches, and this, this fucking bright neon pink dinosaur comes out. Guess the gender, everybody. Yeah, what? I wonder what gender this, this dinosaur is. And uh, Jesus. I'm not going to assume the dinosaur's gender. <laughs> uh, I, I would have been happy if it was male, but it was like, nope, it's... Of course, it's a female. No, uh, we're at the point in the franchise where every new female character that's introduced is bright pink. This is this, is, uh, we are this now, has happened before. Yeah, this is not the first time. Um, <laughs> like, Tria is pink. The the baby's a brighter pink, like electric <laughs> pink. And then there's another dinosaur there, a little later there on. There have been other pink girl dinosaurs before this point, too. Um, True. I will say that. I mean, how the hell are they going to know it's a girl if it's not pink? God damn it. Yes. It's, <laughs> how are you going to sell the toy? How are you going to sell the the Trisha toy? The, the, the dinosaur's name is Trisha, and I love her. I will not adhere to any bad things said to Trisha. She is perfect and beautiful, and I love her. She is adorable. She is adorable. I'll give her that. Uh, Trisha and Sarah actually get along uh, really well uh, right off the bat. Eventually. Yeah, yeah. it's not a long, um, I hate this um, dinosaur. I mean, Trisha Trisha kind of, like, right away like, sort of imprints on Sarah a little bit. Because, yeah. like, the, like her, you see that thing where it's her POV, and, like, her vision is all blurry, but then she sees Sarah and, like, for the first time, and she's like, oh, imprinting. There we go. Immediately bonding with this other thing it's um no it, it's really beautiful um but before that you know they have to get o- she has to get over her jealousy uh, a little bit which is why she sings a song to her friends about um her sister and at this point song I'm like, number two everybody song number two and at this point i'm like wow this is some day of the flyers everybody <laughs> by the way this is an eight- this is actually a misleading title because it's not about it's not one day. This is over the course of multiple days. <laughs> I am disappointed. Oh, is that what it is? I thought it was just called Sa- the Sarah song. That's what I wrote here on my <laughs> notes. <laughs> it really is. Just when your life is perfect, everything's looking bright. You're with your friends till daylight ends and safe in your nest at night. I also wrote what a stupid song right below it. <laughs> it's, so. it's, of the, this is probably the, the, the weakest song of, of 
trio of weak songs in this movie. I can't remember any of it. I, I All I remember is that it followed this almost the same pattern as the first one in that they sing a problem and then, you know, there's a little bit of a, a resolution at the end, but only after tertiary character Littlefoot comes in and adds a lyric that sort of lifts it up, which, <laughs> by the way, Littlefoot is just a tertiary character in this movie. Let's be real. Which he is good. Which is, which, which, is, yeah. which is good, because usually Littlefoot's the main character of these movies. So it is nice yeah. to see him take a backseat uh, for some of these other characters. Yeah, there's mm. no, like, Littlefoot knows about the thing and nobody believes him bullshit in this one. Yeah, yeah. That did, I, I forget how I forgot how often that came up, but you're absolutely right. Oh yeah, it's it's one of the most common things. Um, so mm-hmm. so while Sarah is struggling to bond with her sister, Guido becomes Petrie's <laughs> flying coach. He's like massaging Petrie on the shoulders, and he's like, "All right, you're gonna eat lightning and you're gonna crap thunder. I don't know how I <laughs> know how to teach you how to fly, but I do." Yeah, he. It's t- almost like it's in my genes or something. He says, <laughs> "As his feathers flap around." Yeah. Yeah, he. Um, yeah, he decides to. to let himself be adopted by Petrie and his family uh, and does uh, and does stand-up comedy for Petrie's brothers. Hey, hey, fellas, come on, give him a break. I mean, uh, uh, of course he gets confused when he flies with you. Your rear ends look just like your faces, so uh, how can he tell which way to go? <laughs> You're all right, Guido. <laughs> and, uh... Oh, yeah. He says shit about them and they laugh. Yeah. Like, you, oh, your rear ends look the same as your faces. Yeah, they're all like yelling at um at Petrie and and he he does stand up to kind of diffuse it. Yeah, y'all been y'all been a good sport here. You know, he's uh preparing for his uh, his uh Friars Club uh, debut um, at the. <laughs> I guess he's supposed to be Woody Allen. This is so fucking offensive. <laughs> Oh my god. Also, out of all the out of all the Jewish comedians, why Woody Allen? Because he, like... he was the most famous, and this was two thousand and six, where we were still okay with him having sex and marrying his daughter. We that <laughs> we hadn't invented that being bad yet as a society. Well the, the reason we excused it was it's like, well he's not related to her. It's like, yeah, but he's known her since she was like Ten. Like, ew. Yeah. There's, there's, there's so much wrong with that. Nope, I won't get into that. Well, it's amazing because he hasn't really, he, he was only really canceled like maybe four or five years ago. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's amazing how long he, he was able to last. Um, but yeah, I guess, yeah, when Me Too happened and Me Too invented um, being being set, being sex source women <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, that that's a bad, yeah. that is a bad thing. That we we didn't we women didn't know that we were being. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I'm letting my politics uh, escape me a little bit in this episode. No, that's uh, okay. Let's, I, I think <laughs> let's let's focus on the the anti-Semitism and the the, <laughs> the 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 family drama, which is what the kids come to a Land Before Time movie for. Yes, anti-Semitism. I also like. I, I'd like to point out. I know. I know you two didn't watch the last movie with us, but. They're doing the uh, the movie with anti-Semitism in it right after they did the movie that's kind of a metaphor for genocide. Uh, yeah. Oh, shit. It's a bit of a uh, immigration uh, episode, <clears throat> if you will. That's uh, um, very fun. Invasion of the Tiny Sauruses. But yeah, um, then we have the most painfully long sequence in any Land Before Time movie. I was oh, afraid God. that this sequence, it kept going on for so long 
that at a certain point, I literally thought this sequence was just going to be the rest of the movie. Now, See, Chris, you know that there's tough competition for, there is. for that. Um, but we're, of course, talking about uh, Guido sleepwalking. It comes the fuck out of nowhere, and we put so much focus on it. It's like... Why? Is it just like, well, we didn't have enough story to go off of, so yeah, let's have him sleep. So we're just going to take that Donald Duck cartoon where he's sleepwalking and Daisy's trying to keep him, you know, occupied, and we're going to make uh, the rest yeah. of the movie. I think that's what the writers did. They were just like, fuck, I can't come up with an idea to go past this. And then they're like, let's watch some Disney, let's watch some Disney cartoons and saw that. They're like, fucking brilliant. Let's add it. So I'm going to, I'm going to take that pin out now. Okay. This is this is the reason Guido doesn't know anything. He spent the majority of his life sleepwalking and then just waking up in different places, and he has no idea where he is oh, or how a, he, he gets has, anywhere. Uh, he's a somnambulus, or yeah, exactly. Okay. It's, it's a it's a it's a it's a Dr. Caligari situation, but with no Dr. Caligari. <laughs> I would love to see that movie. Oh, oh yeah, that'd be oh rad as <laughs> the cabinet, fuck. the cabinet of Guido. Oh god, the cabinet of Guido. <laughs> The dino cabinet. Hey, check out my cabinet here. We've got pots and pans, and I've got some noodles for a nice soup. Oh, anyway, don't, when don't you're mind sick. me. I'm just gonna be. I'm just gonna be in here taking a nap. <laughs> a little bit later, it opens, and he just gets out, flies away, eats some worms or whatever. He does eat a worm. He does. You know, he, that's he what does they. That. Yes, he likes. He's a bird. He likes to eat worms. Yeah, tur- turns out that's what he eats. His worms. He eats, he eats a worm, and he's like, "Oh, yeah. I like this." Yeah, which is weird. He probably he's probably done the majority. He's probably spent ninety percent of his life sleepwalking, which is why he has no memory of anything. Yeah, and that's probably how he mostly eats is when he sleeps. Like he'll just wake up and he'll be like, "Why am I in this place?" Oh well. And then he'll wander around aimlessly for a bit. When he gets tired, he goes to sleep. And then his, like, his, like, sonambulous brain kicks in. And he just, like, flies and hunts and uh, does whatever. And then wakes up in a totally new place. So he just, he wound up in the Great Valley unintentionally. And that's, like I said, it's stupid. But I think that's the explanation for what's going on. Now, here's my question. If he, if, if this is a thing... Why does he know his name is Guido? Because that's all he can remember. His first earliest memory was hatching in the nest, and his his he vaguely remembers his mom calling him Guido, uh, but also you know naming all the other kids some other vaguely offensive. <laughs> you could you could make names. you could make such waves if you if you just like wrote this out on the Land Before Time forum as as a fanfic. Oh, they would. <laughs> they, oh, yeah, they would, they would proclaim you their king. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, uh. <laughs> no, I, I actually know. I, I want to expand on this a little bit because I think okay. I think you're right. I think I think this is the most um, sane explanation we have. <laughs> I, um, I, you know, I think what's actually happening, if you want to get really technical with it, is that somewhere else in the mysterious beyond, there is this tree, right? A very large, big tree, and in the tree, there's like a hole of it, kind of hole in it, kind of like the the the, the tree in the uh, Empire Strikes Back that um, that Luke goes into. But inside there's this There's a bird and an egg and an egg in a nest and yeah, a nest on a tree and, and a tree in a hole. Oh, yeah, a tree yeah, in the hole and the green grass grows around. Yeah, right. And yeah, yeah, um, yeah. so what, what happens though is that when a dinosaur goes into this hole instead of, you know, the, 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 the Luke Skywalker thing, all of a sudden they fall and they're inside the mine of Guido. <laughs> <laughs> And they the control them. And, be, and then it's almost like they're being Guido. 
Oh and my gosh! Will. So oh, and, and they can, and uh, that's how they control them. Yeah, that's how they control but wait, Guido. But if Guido, but if Guido himself goes into the tree, he, he just all ends all up in a way. Yeah, just they're like, Guido, 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 Guido. He can revisit all the traumatic moments of his past and uh, and meet all the other Guidos. There's actually a, there's actually a really cool uh, sequel where we talk about the making of that of Guido uh, going into his mind by the original author of the, who's another dinosaur who has to adapt a book and <laughs> anyway oh my god so, so I, yeah if we write this again they we will become emperor of the other uh, dinosaur um, furry fans which there, they all there are is a, there is a robust Land Before Time fan community yes and, and they love fan fiction especially about all the dinosaurs growing up that's and, their favorite topic and that's the favorite for like most fan fictions though it's like if they're if it involves young children, it's like, oh, what would they be like if they were adults with kids? Like, I can see the title now, though. We could call it Guido Origins. <laughs> but I don't get the wanting to be grown up because, like, clearly they would be boring because the adults don't do anything in this franchise. Like, <laughs> the, why the would adults you? Are pretty sedentary. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Why would you want to? Uh, no, what they want is they want. The, the dinosaurs to be old to be fucking each other so it's like uh, uh, Sarah and Littlefoot have a baby that's like some horrifying mutant and that becomes the, the fan insert character the Mary Sue that saves the Great Valley from um, uh, I, I was gonna predator. say is this, is this Land Before Time next generation like- oh hell yeah Land Before Time Extreme <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah I would dude if that was out I would watch that yesterday I'm gonna I'm gonna do a fan a fan art piece of of all the kids uh, grown up and it's just going to be drums of oil. Um, (laughs) There was a meme of that. I don't know if you saw that meme. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Remember Littlefoot? This This is is what he looks like now. now. It's just a drum of oil. (laughs) Feeling old yet? Yeah, it's good. So anyway, uh, there's like a 15-minute-long sequence of them just following the sleepwalker, sleepwalking Guido, which leads to some funny moments. There's there's one scene where where Guido's about to uh, cross the river. They're like, oh no, he'll drown. And so their big idea is to like basically make a frogger situation happen where they just line up their heads across uh the water which i thought was was really funny um they that get, was pretty that was pretty funny that actually. was pretty funny they get to a, a lava which they call fire rocks in this in again this they, one. They, they changed their name for lava in in every movie it's kind of a running gag yeah um at, at some point in this half hour of sleepwalking i'm like just just fucking fly we know that's where <laughs> this ends with you flying just fucking get there it lasts forever until finally he's about to go over a cliff and I guess like instead of doing that workaround thing they did on the volcano to get him to change his direction <laughs> again they just like oh we have to push this log because logs are the only thing that can save you in the land before time universe that's on yeah. a, that's gonna be on a t-shirt we'll one of them could have literally run up and like headbutted him out of the way because like they, they don't want to wake him up because they somehow know that waking a sleepwalker is a bad idea but yet they're willing to put his life on the line and then put all their lives on the line with this dumb thing with this log and 
I just as someone who used to live with a sleepwalker, um, it's it, it's less that um, it's a bad idea to wake him up. Rather, it's very hard to wake him up. Like that's true. Oh but yeah. If but if it's hard to wake a sleepwalker, then they should just be like you know totally ping uh, you know pinballing uh, Guido away from cliffs instead of like having to do these overcomplicated things involving fallen dead trees. You well, know? they don't like... know that they're stupid animals. What the <laughs> fuck? How do they know? There's okay, a, that's, yeah. you know, fair point. I, I forgot that this movie was about stupid animals. It's also kind of hard to tell when um, someone is sleepwalking because, you know what, fuck it, I'll just say, it, this was my mom. She was a sleepwalker. Uh, she she would actually talk while she slept walk and have no memory of it the next day. And you could sort of tell because it was like, she like her eyes were like half, uh, open and but she would still have conversations with you. It was so fascinating. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. The only way to get her like to go like to go back to sleep is to say, "Oh, you, you should go back to sleep." She's like, oh, "Okay," and then would walk back to bed and then immediately just go back to sleep. It's it, it's a weird thing. That Once is you a, figure yeah, out, that is really fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know nothing about sleepwalking. Uh, and clearly the writers of this movie also don't because so you, so you <laughs> never you never had to push a log off a cliff. Uh, in, any, in any of the, those events? No, I've had to uh, stop her from eating from the fridge while she slept off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I just imagine your life was like uh, hereditary with your uh, <laughs> mom just coming up, up to your bed with a knife and um, saying you know, horrifying things to you. Remember that time you woke up in lighter fluid? Anyway... It ends with Guido falling off a cliff because they failed to save him. And surprise, surprise, he can fly. And he just sort of sleep flies um, uh, off into some place or other. Um, And when he wakes up, finally, oh, no, he's flown into the mysterious beyond and landed directly onto a sharp tooth. And (laughs) yes, yes. And uh, so that happens Uh, anyway. Uh, after we usually skip over the action scenes because they are very boring in these movies, unless you want to point out, I don't know what kind of dinosaur it was, Chris, or um, whatever. It is, it is a Spinosaurus. I believe it's the first appearance of a Spinosaurus in this franchise, and uh, it is using the old, outdated uh, sort of circa Jurassic Park three construction of it before we knew they were quadrupedal. You know, so it's got the long crocodile snout and it's got the big sail, and they have a what can best be described as a typical Land Before Time action sequence of fleeing from a big sharp tooth through the mysterious beyond and eventually stopping it with your typical, oh, it can't fit through this rock thing (laughs) kind of moment. Whatever. Uh, The point is, now that they have spent all this time and stayed up all night rescuing Guido... His bird mitzvah. Oh, no. Where he has to prove that he can fly to the rest of the flyers. So at this point, like, can we just make the assumption that that flyers are supposed to be Jewish in the, in the <laughs> Land Before Time universe? Like, that's the implication. Or at the very least, they're all just, re- most of them are just recolors of Petri. Or recolors, because, like, when they go to, like, the day of the flyers, there's, like, the fucking council of pterodactyls or whatever that are, like, watching yeah. them. Yeah. You know what? If, if this were, if they were, exp- I kept expecting expecting them to be like this would be an opportunity in a different movie where you get them introduced earlier and they would have all had really distinct personalities like the, the purple kind of baldish looking one i would be like 
If I was casting anyone to voice that, that'd be uh, that would totally be Maurice Lamarche, like right there. <laughs> oh that, yeah, it's like yeah. a Maurice yeah. Lamarche type of 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 like you know big boss kind of pteranodon ter- ter- who is the one clearly judging the whole thing, and he has two like manservants that are like ramphoricuses <laughs> or you know or pterodactyls or something. They're a different species. They have the long pointy tail that are like yeah. I guess his guards or his his butlers or whatever that are on either side of him. Yeah, uh, and he's like on this high precipice watching all the all the baby flyers fly i guess the conflict about him gonna be late just doesn't happen because he shows up like me here me ready at the last second oh yeah and what the well the the weird conflict that doesn't happen is he just like does his thing and is an individual and like no one complains it's just like oh this is just good now we're all gonna join in this uh this this flip flap song The idea randomly becomes at the end, oh, instead of flying like all the others do, which I'm terrible at, I'm going to fly like I fly, which Which is going to be a big old show off. Yeah, visually, (laughs) it's like he's doing tricks at an air show. Like he's he's, he's zooming around (laughs) and doing flips. Which you think is what you'd want to do at a situation where you're showing off to like the the high council of Pteranodons. I did make this this joke while watching. I'm I'm like, hey, David, could you imagine like if something like this happened when watching the rock cat? Like <laughs> <laughs> they're all doing kicking information, and one of them just like does a backflip or something. <laughs> like fuck it, yeah, I'm gonna do it my way. <laughs> I just gotta be me. Uh, yeah, that's basically what it is. And all the other uh, pterodactyls learn free will and start to uh, <laughs> go along with it. And that's where we get this song, which is this kind of like libertarianism uh, was soon to follow. This song is kind of like a, a little bit of a Four Seasons number. Uh, one of the the big pterodactyls is doing like a Frankie Valley kind of thing. The big green, the big green one had a voice I did not expect to come out of yeah. it. That was amazing. It's like, ah, it's a flip-flop. I don't know. They're flipping and they're flopping. Flip, and flop, and there is, <laughs> And it was about this moment that I realized there was actually no real conflict in this movie at all. Nope. It was just kind of happenstances that were mildly inconvenient. Yeah. Some nothing of value was lost. <laughs> I, I guess the writers realized this too, because after this song, uh, tr- tr- they just like, oh, what if Trisha drowns? <laughs> yeah. uh, Trisha's. We gotta save Trisha now. So what tr- if Trisha? What if we? What yeah. if we put? What if we put an infant in danger? <laughs> yeah, Trisha is imperiled for no reason. I guess she's off looking for Sarah or something, because Sarah's been off adventuring. And as usual, the parents don't notice because they're dead asleep. Yeah, I- and. Trisha falls into the river, and Petrie is forced to, instead of completing the competition, fly off and be a hero and rescue Trisha. Um, and Gui- I, Guido helps, and uh, yeah, yeah, he tries to, <laughs> and then he goes in the water okay. too. Yeah, I have a terrible, I have a terrible joke, and like the typical conservatives, her parents are they only cared about her when she was in, in the egg, and like, as soon as she's born. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I just thought. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my god. Basically, this is my wife. <laughs> my wife. Uh, my wife. I, I, it makes my me so wife. sad. Here we are in current year, and <laughs> that's happening again. You're, you're more than welcome to cut that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Borat two. No, we've just said came way out. worse things on this. You podcast. can cut out. You okay. can cut out. No, you can cut out Borat too. It's okay. No, well, that, <laughs> it's actually the only thing we're gonna keep in. This is gonna be a five minute episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, as stupid as all this shit is, 
Uh, Trisha's first word is Sarah, and it was really sweet, and I'm crying. Uh, it's so beautiful, and th- that that's the end of the movie. And we we and we, P- Petrie is, is a hero. Petrie's be- a and hero. All the other all the other baby so pterodons all join in and help pull her out of the water. Yeah, so it's like solidarity. They, they point out like the day of the flyer will never be the same again because uh, Petrie uh, taught him postmodernism. So now, <laughs> yeah. they, um, yeah. now they're now this is the this is the post punk movement. No, it's not the, postmodernism. Uh, this is modernism. And then when people start to do the same thing, that's when it becomes postmodernism. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> when they go, when they go back. right. Back formations, but with the yeah. the knowledge of not knowing the formation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Before this movie ends, we get one ama- more amazing moment where we go back to the narrator, and the narrator ends this by saying, "Many changes had occurred on this day of changes." <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay. There were many changes, changes on, on this, this day, day of changes. changes. <laughs> we 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 laughed for five minutes straight at that as well. And then the, yeah, and then the 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 movie's <laughs> over. Um, I I assume Guido will never come back because <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually asked because we had to look it up. I was like, hey, is Guido a recurring character? Because nothing seems to imply that he leaves. But I'm guessing the next time he goes to sleep, he just flies out of the Great Valley and no one ever sees him again. Well, there's a lot of characters that show up for like one movie and then we well, never see him. Again. There is there is one character who we've we've been watching the Land Before Time TV show for our Patreon episodes, and there is apparently one character who gets introduced in the next movie that we have to watch who does become part of the main gang for the TV show, but it is not Guido. And also so. okay. and also Tara and Trisha are part of that that TV show gang as well. Yeah, Tria and Trisha are. are, are why do in, I keep saying Tara? Because Tara is a real name. That's why I think yeah. it's yeah. either that or I'm just just it's been watching. Tria wa- and Trisha. I think I've just been watching too much Teen Titans again. That's why. I keep saying. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, except except Tria can't control the Earth, so. I well, mean, neither can Tara. Ah. That's the point. Yeah, it's very sad. Thank you true mm. was anyone else distracted during the song by that random egg that falls out of a nest yes yes, yes we were like oh my god is this egg but i guess it does like come back fine or something like we see yeah. the journey but a little bit it was bit. in there for it was like you know it's like that that whole idea that if you're performing on stage but you put a glass of water on the edge of a stool while you're doing a performance everyone's gonna be focused on that glass of water and wondering why it's there yeah mm-hmm. it, it, it's Chekhov's egg we're waiting for it to go off yeah this egg yeah. like rolls off of its nest and we're like oh no it's dead but apparently it's just like a silly series of the egg getting like bounced around to different places during the musical number and then it gets caught successfully so again it's just the opening of dinosaur yeah oh and there's (laughs) a cameo there's a cameo uh during this song uh somebody petrie flies underwater briefly uh and encounters uh our irritating uh ichthyosaur friend from the land before time nine yes mo also voiced by rob paulson makes yeah. makes a, a a much much loved cameo a half was second that what that weird dolphin thing yeah that's was? what the weird yes. dolphin thing was oh. yeah that's a previous character from land before time nine probably my <laughs> least favorite one in the whole series uh, wow yeah mo everyone's favorite character mo Mo. So what did, What would you say, now that we've kind of talked about everything, what, what are your overall impressions of this movie? This should have just been uh, cut into a TV show episode, honestly. Like, th- there's so much padding that's so unnecessary and there really isn't the story. <laughs> You know, like, you, s- you say that, but we've watched episodes of the TV show, and those should be cut down to five minutes. There's so much. <laughs> they shouldn't exist. Pure, I just say don't make them. It's very bad. <laughs> the premises of the TV episodes are like, t- in this episode, they do log rolling. Um, 
But anyway, this <laughs> carry on. I lost the tooth. That was one. That was another one. Oh god. <laughs> Honestly, like I said before, this movie had had zero conflict. Uh, nothing of consequence actually happened, except for I guess the birth of of uh, Trisha, and uh, yet it's still a better movie than Dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. That's uh, that's that's kind of how I'd sum this one up. I, it's Did weird. I have a good time watching it? Mainly because of the people I was watching it with. Yeah. Sure. I'm not the in- intended audience, but then again, I'm not sure the intended audience should be the intended I audience. I like, think I think children have much better media they could be consuming. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. so, like th- there's some shows that I've watched that I'm like, it's not bad, but I'm clearly not the intended audience for this, and that's probably why I don't like this. This is bad for I feel like for any age group. Like I like there's a I feel like the if you're 5 and younger, you're fine, but once you develop a sense of like, oh, this isn't enjoyable anymore. I think then that's when you should not watch it. Yeah, once oh. you gra- graduate beyond bright colors uh entertaining you, then uh... yeah. it's the in my opinion of the 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 ones I can remember of the Land Before Time movies that I can remember clearly. It's the worst one I've seen, but I don't remember them all very clearly. Actually, funny enough, uh, I do have a memory of when I realized, oh, movies can be bad. And that was actually, also a Don Blue film was when I saw um, A Troll in Central Park. Yes, horrible, horrible movie. (laughs) Oh, no, I, I, yes. Yeah, when I was like five or whatever, whenever it came out, I remember watching, like, wow, I, I don't know why I don't like this, but... I don't like this. This doesn't make sense to me. I, I usually <laughs> I cannot wait to get to that one on on Don Bluth Theater. Oh yeah, we we have a side project as, as, with this podcast where we're watching the Don Bluth movies. Yeah. Oh uh, nice. As well, and we should really get back to that one. <laughs> we, well, you're almost to the end of the Land Before Time we're movies almost now. Almost to the end. Well, then no, that's well that's when we're going to do our our second season which um I can't remember if we've theorized or announced on this show yet. We'll wait. But we have an idea of what our second season is going to be. It is not dinosaur. It's not going to be dinosaur related. Um, Good. I think <laughs> well, with regards to this film, I think you and I both agreed to put it firmly in the "so bad it's good" category. Yeah, I I love this movie, but definitely not for the reasons the writers intended. <laughs> uh, for me to love this movie, I was laughing hysterically almost the entire time. <laughs> yeah, I would say for that reason alone, this is probably one of my favorites that I, I've seen. So far, but I also think, yeah, it's dangerous for children to watch. I think um, it will teach them um, to re- regress uh, to D de- to de- Devo, as Devo say. And um, <laughs> but you know, I think, yeah, I think this is just a really um, dangerous movie, especially um, in, in an era in an era of um, uh, people learning about the Holocaust through uh, TikTok videos. <laughs> And um, I think this is not the best way to learn what it's like to to be a a, a Jewish person in or, this or country a Jewish dinosaur. or a Jewish dinosaur. Um, maybe not. Maybe not the best thing to um, to show your kids, but show it to your friends. I think if if you like you said how you saw if you with some friends, maybe get get a little uh, intoxicated, maybe a, get get a little uh, fuzzy wuzzy, as <laughs> nobody but me describes doing drugs. <laughs> Um, then yeah, I think this is actually a, a really solid one to watch. I, I definitely if you, enjoyed it. If you it. live in Oregon, uh, you can pair this movie with whatever That's you right. want. That's right. In Oregon, it's legal to do any drug now. That's Congratulations, Oregon. Congratulations, Oregon. We now move on to everyone's favorite segment, Dino Talk with Professor Truthosaurus.
all right. So uh, I have withheld talking about flying dinosaurs for this entire podcast because I was waiting for this movie because I knew that there was a one titled The Great Day of the Flyers. So here we go. Flying dinosaurs. So um, flight has evolved in the animal kingdom four separate times uh, <laughs> by coincidence. This is convergent evolution. It evolved first in insects, then in pterosaurs, which is what Petrie is, then in dinosaurs, a.k.a. birds, then in bats. Um, so pterosaurs... Who perfected it by being the cutest. Yes, yes they did. That's, I'm, that's debatable. So uh, <laughs> pterosaurs are, which is what Petrie is, um, pteranodons, pterodactyls. Pterodactyls is what a lot of people know them by, but that's just one, one genus. Um, and many right. others are not actually dinosaurs. They are commonly lumped in with the dinosaurs because they lived at the same time, but they are a sister group um, of archosaurs. They're all part of the archosaurs along with crocodiles and uh, marine reptiles and all sorts of things, but they are technically not dinosaurs. Uh, Pterosaur flight is accomplished by just one of their fingers being ridiculously extended. They, they just one finger on their on their arm extends to the length of their entire wing, and they had a membranous flap of skin connecting their their leg area to their finger, and that's how they flew. Um, pterosaurs are extremely diverse in size and shape. Some of them had beaks, uh, some of them had teeth, but they are all considered to have probably been coastal like fish eating animals. Um, the equivalent ecologically of today's seabirds. I'm sure they there were plenty that came inland, but pterosaurs are, are frequently associated with living on the coast. There is some debate as to whether or not all pterosaurs could achieve powered flight without the assistance of gravity, of whether or not they could actually kick themselves off the ground and get flying, or if they had to jump sort of off of a cliff and start their flight that way, the way a modern condor does. There are certainly certain very, very large pterosaurs uh, that uh, it's debatable whether or not they would have been able to achieve flight in any other way, which is one reason why people think, think they may have lived on high cliffs overlooking the sea. They would have taken off from a high place, swooped down into the water to pick up fish, and then uh, come back up and landed. What is definitely true is that they couldn't pick you up and carry you off like they do in every single movie where humans <laughs> interact with dinosaurs. These are incredibly lightweight animals. You know, they're not designed to carry anything heavier than a fish. Even the very largest pterosaurs, like Quetzalcoatlus, which is terrifyingly immense, look it up sometime, oh, probably, yeah. Oh, yeah. probably not snacking on people, you know, if no. people were around at the time. Uh, these things would not be able to lift you. So that, that scene in Jurassic World that, that everyone hates where that woman just gets a gratuitously long death at the hands of pterosaurs carrying her off and pecking at her couldn't, couldn't happen. They, mm -hmm. they wouldn't even be interested in, in eating something nope. your size. So pterosaurs went extinct uh, at the Cretaceous-Paleogene extinction event off the face of the earth. And flight 
uh, was carried on, the legacy of flight was carried on by the dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are the ancestors of modern-day birds. Birds evolved from small bipedal theropod dinosaurs that developed feathers. Why did they develop feathers? We don't really know. We know that feathers are modified scales. Um, Usually anything new that you develop in evolution is just something else that you already had that gets modified in some way. And it's believed that the earliest feathers probably served as insulation, kind of the way fur uh, works on a mammal. And that over time, these feathers evolved to take on other characteristics like showing off uh, flashy colors, threat display, eventually aerodynamics. Eventually they help a dinosaur steer when it's running or they help a dinosaur glide off of a tree and eventually we have powered flight. The earliest uh, examples of this are happening quite early in the history of the dinosaurs. The Jurassic period, we have early birds like Archaeopteryx. So by the Cretaceous period, when we've got raptors and T-Rexes running around, there would already have been little toothy reptilian birds. Now, if you want to see a bird that retains dinosaur-like characteristics, there is one hidden away in the depths of the Amazon. If you go to the Amazon and go deep into the jungle, you can find a bird called a Hoatzin or Hoatzin. I'm not exactly sure how it's pronounced. It's H-O-A-T... Z-I-N. And they are born with little claws on their wings, which they use to climb to the top of trees and take off and fly. And that is basically sort of a clue as to how the early birds would have achieved flight. If they couldn't necessarily take off from the ground, they'd climb to the top of the tree and zoom along. And one animal that we think probably did that was Microraptor, which is what Guido is in the movie. Microraptor is interesting because it actually had, we believe, flight feathers on both of its arms and its legs. So imagine kind of like a four-winged bird flying through the sky, and you've got Mm -hmm. Microraptor. So all modern-day birds are dinosaurs. They are still classified as dinosaurs. And it's amazing that it took paleontologists so long to figure this out because you know, just look at an ostrich sometime and look at its feet. <laughs> you know, it's it's a smoking gun. I mean, I think the the, the first time I ever saw, um, oh my gosh, what, what, a cassowary, like at the zoo. I looked at those feet. I watched it stalking around its enclosure. I'm like, that's a dinosaur. Yeah. You can't tell me that that's not a dinosaur. That's basically <laughs> a modern day velociraptor. Very few changes. Yeah. They're horrifying and cool. Yeah. <laughs> Quick question where does uh maybe this maybe this came up but uh, i i had to once again deal with our own resident dinosaur a little bit during the lecture which was a very good lecture professor thank you for that thank you like where does Ar- Arche- archaeopteryx are Ar- Ar- am i pronouncing it correctly archaeopteryx archaeopteryx yeah Ar- archaeopteryx is an early um uh bird uh okay. that existed during the jurassic period so actually quite early in the dinosaur okay. era it it, it it was the first link between dinosaurs and birds that was ever discovered. And for some reason, its discovery still didn't quite give everyone the clues that they needed to say, <laughs> aha, dinosaurs were birds. People were still reluctant about it. Like, oh, birds clearly had some reptilian characteristics early on. <laughs> like, no, it's a dinosaur, you guys. It's a dinosaur. It's, it's like it. the people who, you know, it's not everybody can find the missing link between, you know, humans and, you know, primates sometimes but then you've got you know you've got archaeopteryx right there this another smoking gun yeah an incredible people ignore it when it's there so who knows it's like it's like every so often you get an animal that is just 
a cartoon example of a missing link, like a legless lizard or something. You know, <laughs> it's like so obvious. But anyway, um, you know, here at the University of Land Before Time Land, we believe in <laughs> fairness of debate. We believe in you equal time. You are an time. accredited program. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> in light of that, uh, I will now allow uh, a colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Rongodactyl, the opportunity uh, for a rebuttal to uh, my lecture. Doctor, if you please. Well... I, it's not always a rebuttal that, that we do here on um, the Professor Rongodactyl show, which is what I call my um, advanced class on dino, dino dynamics and um, uh, tr uh, dress, dress optics. And um, so uh, I'm also have been just extremely, just very excited to talk about flyers and flying dinosaurs. And I've been waiting a long time to, um, to, uh, to, to kind of give this this historic this history and information. Um, so anyway, here it is. Uh, the year was 1918. R President Woodrow Wilson was meeting with the Kaiser of Germany to sign what would be known as the Treaty of Versailles. After that, the hold on, sorry, I'm getting a, a phone call. This is actually really embarrassing. Uh, hello. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay, bye. Sorry about that. I just got a call saying that um, advising me that I should not tell this story. <laughs> under any kind of circumstance. Um, it would maybe uh, probably get this podcast removed from any media uh, whatsoever. So, you know, instead I'm going to talk about the history of bats, which is something that we talked about in, in the podcast, which I, I understand uh, that our guests are a big fan of. They go so far to compare them to uh, tiny dogs that fly. <laughs> um, so Don't eat them, though. Don't eat them. Um, no, yeah, no. So why, no. Why? Why shouldn't you eat them, Chris? They sound, They look delicious. H have you noticed outside? Every once. Uh, never mind. Just carry on with your lecture. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was strange interruption. Chris. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about, Chris. I thought this was a cautionary tale about Ozzy Osbourne. Very, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, he ate a bat, and he he's like lived to be a thousand years old. So I think it's actually <laughs> in our best interest to start eating bats. Uh, bats. Um, uh, the first uh, a known um, bat that that we can find in history was, of course, the the son of Cain. That was produced after he <laughs> killed his brother, lied to about it to God. Um, after that, uh, of course, bats were seen uh, throughout history and were participants in a lot of very famous events. Um, we're all probably familiar with the um, uh, the fall of Rome. We are uh, familiar with the uh, Pompeii volcano explosion. There was a bat there. We, uh, you might be, um, uh, I wonder what happened to the Library of Alexander. Well, they thought it would be fun to have a little zoo with, uh, 30 <laughs> bats. Uh, unknowing, un, un, not knowing at the time that the bats were very proficient with lighter fluid and lighting matches. <laughs> After that, uh, bats could be seen everywhere, uh, from, um, uh, Jack the Ripper sightings in England to um, uh, being a frequent uh, assistant uh, to parties held by John Wayne Gacy. Um, uh, of course, in modern times, um, uh, bats have gotten a much um, better repu rep uh, reputation thanks to the invention of, of Dracula's and uh, vampires, which um, actually paint them in a much more positive light than they ever had in any other point in history because now um, they were good to look at. Uh, they were uh, played by Bela Lugosi, one of the, probably the most famous bat. 
Um, yeah, people don't know that Bela Lugosi what was actually broke a lot of ground for bat representation in Hollywood. Uh, not a lot of bat actors before then. Um, there, there was, of course, um, uh, the Batman, who was a, a man uh, who had the, the, the heart of a bat and uh, the, the brain of a man. And that's what gave him his... Uh, is crime-fighting superpowers. And uh, you can't forget uh, Western uh, lawman Bat Masterson. There's Bat Masterson, yeah. Uh, a baseball bat, uh, originally named for the only item you should ever touch a bat with. Um, <laughs> uh, what about Bat Boy, the uh, thing, the... Um uh, from the oh my goodness, uh, he's like a local. Oh, legend. from from the from the the, the Inquirer, from the the, yes. the, the, the daily yeah, yeah. daily world, or uh, yeah, yeah. yes, um, Bat Boy. That was actually a fake. He wasn't actually a a bat. He he was um, more of a pelican that they made to <laughs> look like a bat. Um, it, that's why it was a, it was really controversial. Some people still think it might might have been a bat boy like a, a man crossed with a bat but it was probably more like a, a pelican um uh crossed with the boy is what we think at this point but you know i'm not going to tell scholars <laughs> to stop doing research because the jury's really out on it and Pel that boy doesn't roll off the tongue nearly as well it as really bat does boy. you know pelican boy um you know it's yeah, I'm not a marketer. You know, I'm a professor. I don't, you know, I don't deal in this uh, <laughs> this promotion business. I'd, I'd be in pictures if I was. But after that, um, yeah, in modern times, in the year 2020, uh, bats are, uh, you know, doing okay. Uh, every so often, a bat will appear in the night sky, and someone um, will start crying because they just saw their death appear before them. But I guess, like, besides that, uh, if, if any of you take away anything uh, from this this sermon, um, then I would say um, the Kaiser did nothing wrong. And I think that America was absolutely wrong to take the side of the Allies. And I will not hear anything otherwise. Uh, thank you for that inspiring uh, uh, oration, uh, Dr. Rongodactyl. Thank you. Um, we will we will pass on your interest uh, to the the bat lobby. What? To be to be their their marketing person. Chris, you would sell me out to the bat lobby? Well, well, no. They're they're going to give you a job. No, they're not. They're bats. They're going to kill me. Why would they do that? Are you insane? Have you not listened? Bats are horrifying monsters. Okay, okay, all right. We won't. Did we you won't. not? Did you? Was it because I was saying it politely? Because I thought there could be a bat in the room listening in, as they always Doctor, are. You should, you, you should keep your voice down. We have bats in the belfry. Haven't you heard of the NWO, the New Winged Order? Oh my God. <laughs> so okay. uh, that's that's land before time, land. Um, before before you go before i i run out <laughs> um david and kayla we have one final segment yes what is and you can have since there's two of you you can both have a, a different answer what is your favorite dinosaur and why hmm birds just all birds <laughs> yeah well <laughs> Uh, if birds are dinosaurs, feel free to pick out a specific well, bird. Well, I mean, the bird. Uh, if we're gonna go with modern birds, um, I would say because I would say um, an osprey is my favorite bird. Um, they're pretty. I, I, they're always pretty cool. It's, they're seabirds, but they're not annoying like seagulls. But <laughs> um, uh, fascinating birds, actually. Uh, I, I always would. Uh, but if we're gonna go modern, I always was one for the pterodon or pterodactyl. Um, I, I mean, I always like 
flying creatures in general hence why mm-hmm. my favorite animal of all time is a bat and then osprey would probably be the second so um <laughs> so i imagine you you had a lot to say about to the professor but well the professor uh, the no. professor left the professor is no longer here and is okay not, that's good and she, so, she so is we can, not we can, taking can, questions <laughs> Natalie, no. yeah, okay I, so I, we can I, we can be we can be honest about how we feel about her lecture yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't you know there, I, i'm i'm a little i'm you know i'm a little i'm a little skeptical but in this for the sake of fairness i'm now but then again now i'm now looking over my shoulder to make sure we're not being listened well, I think she would say that's probably the liberal liberal arts degree affecting your mind, and you shouldn't listen to it. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a degree in batology or whatever the heck. Yeah, no, that's you, that, you're correct. That's, that's what it's called. It's called batology. <laughs> you know, interestingly enough, my favorite dinosaur uh, was in this movie. Really? That we just watched. Uh, Ankylosaurus is actually my favorite dinosaur. Great pick. Ankylosaurus is awesome. It's very cool. They have boppers. They and do. And you can't go wrong with a dinosaur with a bopper. <laughs> Mr. Clawtail was one of my favorite parts of this movie. He was very good. He wasn't in it very much, but when he did show up, he was a highlight, and that's because Ankylosaurus is great. Uh, but I feel bad for not naming my specific favorite dinosaur uh, by name, which is my old friend Yoshi. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah from Dinosaur yeah. Island. That's how you know oh. he's a dinosaur. Yeah, exactly. You know, he his very first, the very first time I met him, we had to save Dinosaur World from an or Dinosaur Land from an army of killer turtles, killer sentient turtles. One of them was a hot young dad in his prime that had seven children. Yeah, and that that was uh, before uh, he became a pet to um, uh, Harry Potter's aunt and the uh, <laughs> and, um, and and the the underground Koopa world. <laughs> That's right. Oh my god, I forgot she was in that movie. Uh, yeah, easily her greatest performance. Any, everyone's greatest performance is in that movie. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. You you will not never hear me saying a bad word about the Super Mario Brothers movie, which is fantastic. Oh and, no, uh, there, it has no flaws whatsoever. No, no none. No, no flaws. No flaws. No. Nope. Bob Hoskins' greatest role of all time. Yeah. John Leguizamo's greatest role of all time. That might be true. That one might be true. Didn't know uh, <laughs> that it was a video game until partway through shooting <laughs> Dennis Hopper's greatest role oh yeah easily Dennis Hopper's best role oh my god that in Waterworld I'd like to order a pizza hold the mammal okay you know I might be I might be with Chris it may rival it actually does rival Waterworld he was I mean Fuck Waterworld. He was great in that. Oh, Dennis Hopper's great in everything. Uh, but, but Dennis Hopper, but you didn't hear the deacon yell, I'll kill that plumber! <laughs> in Waterworld. Or monkey. Monkey. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, um, uh, thank you uh, both so much for for uh, coming on to the the podcast uh, uh kayla and david do you have anything you want to plug before we let you go there's a few things we could that's the problem we are we are we are in the thick of a the thick of a bunch of different podcasts so we'll try and keep this um, uh, fairly i brief. mean for all the podcasts that we're a part of um i would suggest going to creativehorror.com uh that's where we do podcasts like um uh midnight marinara which are uh horror radio anthologies uh spooky radio plays yeah uh, and then uh, Undercooked Analysis, where we uh, um, we take story, scary story submissions or horror story submissions, and then read them. Uh, we cold read them. We cold read them and uh, give our feedback while also being kind of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Never to the authors, just to the stories. Yeah. 
it's and, it's basically and to each it's, other. It's, it's and to each other. It's this live critique with a lot of banter and uh, just uh, lots of wackiness thrown in. A very off the cuff kind of podcast. Um, um, or or uh, if, again, if this is all horror based. So no, the, the third create. the third one we preview is darkly lit. Darkly lit. That's more like a horror book club where we uh, every month, once a month, we review a different um, form of literature. Uh, the last one we just discussed was um, for October thirteenth was um, Demon Theory by Stephen Graham Jones. Um, I enjoyed that. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Uh, That was a trip. Um, And then if you guys aren't into horror... uh... (laughs) If you you think we're typecast, don't worry. We branch (laughs) out. Because we also have the Animusings podcast on the Benview Network. Uh, This is a podcast which, very much like this one, we are going through the entire... Uh, canon Walt Disney Animation Studios uh, films, all the feature films, animated feature films. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we started with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and as of this recording, we are about to do Lilo and Stitch. Awesome. I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. We're pretty, we're pretty excited to get to that one. Um, do, you, do you have to do all the sequels, like Cinderella 4, A Twisted Tale? No. Oh. <laughs> Our canon, we're sticking, it's about the history of animation through the lens of the Walt Disney feature animation. Every so often we'll do uh, and a, a bonus episode where we will talk about a, a, a significant piece that's not necessarily related. Things like uh, Mary Poppins, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, right. Pete's Dragon, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. You know, things that have a correlation, but were not necessarily considered part of the, the Walt Disney animated feature canon. Um, and then a, we're not sticking to Disney from here on out, after we finish the Walt Disney... <laughs> after we get caught up with Disney in like five years, because <laughs> they just keep happening. Yep. Um, uh, we plan to actually go through um, Don Bluth's... Uh, oh, uh, just like listing. we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we, exactly. We, that was oh, so, a plan. Uh, so that makes us uh, makes you our competition, is what you're saying. Uh, right? well, but we, you've, already, you've already got an edge on us. We do one episode uh, a month for Animusings. So yeah, if you uh, that's on the Benview Network. Uh, so... You can go to benviewnetwork.com slash animusings to check out uh, that podcast or creativehorror.com to see all the other podcasts we mentioned. Or that we also have a Creative Horror YouTube channel as We well. do have a Creative Horror YouTube channel as well, if that's your what you prefer listening to your podcasts on. Cool. Um, well, again, thank you both so much for being on uh, and watching this um, this bizarre uh, this bizarre this, this um, propaganda-like thing. movie. Um, <laughs> well, thank you both for having us. <laughs> hey, everyone. This is Madeline coming to you live from the future. This was recorded a little bit, and by a little bit, a while after we finished the episode. I want to tell you about this really cool thing that I'm going to be a part of. It's called Thanks for the Magic. It's a live charity stream uh, made to support... Uh, cast members from Disneyland that have been affected by COVID and are currently not working because Disneyland is rightfully not open right now. This is a really important cause to me. I, if you know anything about me, listen to the podcast, some of the stuff that uh, Chris and I have said, we are both um, extremely pro-worker, pro-union, and we think that the recent announcement of the uh, 32,000 employees being let go from Disneyland is uh, atrocious and I think we need to do everything we can to benefit all the workers there 
um, even if Disney won't. The event starts uh, Saturday, uh, December 5th, which I, I think is today. That is, if you're listening to this on the release, it's today. Starts at 12 p.m. Pacific time and goes into uh, well into Sunday. I'm going to be there on Sunday at 2.30 to 4.30 doing some, you know, backer help, uh, recording charity donations and things like that. And I think I'm doing some other stuff. Uh, it's, a, it's a little up in the air, but it should be fun and very entertaining. And other just really rad people are going to be there too. Uh, Tony Goldmark is a friend of the show. Um, Quentin of Quentin Reviews. That's a big uh, YouTube channel. Uh, he's going to be there. Uh, Jenny Nicholson, our arch nemesis. And everyone knows that, especially her. She is very much aware of our podcast. She will also be there. Um, so, yeah, uh, come check it out. Um, if you want to find out more information, their Twitter account is at thanks for magic. That's at thanks for magic. And I'm really excited to be a part of it. And I hope to see all of you there. And finally, before we get back to the show, uh, I want to give a big shout out to Kazinsi, our first patron. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you so much for your donation. I hope you're enjoying those bonus episodes of the podcast that, uh, as you're probably aware, are very strange, but uh, we, we hope you enjoy just the same. Okay, well, that's it. Now, back to the regularly scheduled podcast. Um, so let's um, go now through the space quarter to get to the galaxy dime. How do we, how does our... Oh, we have a time portal. Oh, that's right. We have okay. a time portal. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is, um, we didn't tell you, this is, we're in a time portal. We forgot to mention that at the yeah, start. Yeah, we, we go through the time portal, and then our guests go back to their normal lives, and then we go to some wacky improvised adventure. That everyone loves and definitely doesn't skip over oh, by the time okay, we get that, to that Okay, that point. would explain the weird crackling electricity that's been around us the whole time, and why faintly often the distance I've heard, no, my time machine is on. No, that's me farting no, for, both no. of those <laughs> things, for both of those things. Sorry. No, well, I, sorry it's been beans <laughs> all day. Thank you for joining us here in Land Before Timeland. We're going to uh, send you back uh, to your normal lives through our time portal here. Uh, we apologize for... Um, we think we've worked out the kinks this time, really. You're probably not going to die. Yeah, fine. yeah, you're probably not going not gonna to end up in several different galaxies. But uh, uh, anyway, clinch up. Time. Goodbye. What a movie that was. I sure remember it. Oh, geez. That was the most uh, memorable thing I've ever seen. What movie would, did we just watch? You know what I remember, and what I think is the most important thing to take away from this movie, is that we have to just give up. Yeah, life's not worth it. Capitalism, bills, rent, socializing, it's all such nonsense. I think there's only one option left, and that is to become dinosaurs yeah i mean that's what i've been thinking since i was six years old but everybody thought i was crazy yeah but now we have technology oh that's right we, we didn't have, have technology now. we didn't have technology before but now we have technology you're right uh you got any good leads on places to become dinosaurs oh we're actually already here oh in front of it oh this Chris. place that let us record because the four seasons wouldn't let us in their parking lot four seasons total landscaping yeah well right next to the the porn store and the crematorium is a third place called uh margaret's dino transformations and bait shop <laughs> 
Perfect. I need some uh, some squid for my fishing trip. But first, I want to become a dinosaur. Sounds good. All right, let's knock on the door here. I think you could just come in. I think it's not like a house; it's a store. Oh, you it's, just it's open like the door and the yeah, it's a biz. Okay. Why are you not? You don't knock on a diner. You just go in. You don't knock on diners. How rude! All right. All right. Let's go in here. Hi, this is Margaret's Bait Shop and Dino Transformations. I mean, Dino Transformations and Bait Shop. What can I get you? Uh, hi, we're sick of living under late-stage capitalism and having to talk to people. Can we become dinosaurs? Ah, yes, the COVID special. It's going to run you. Uh, let me uh, get your height, uh, your body hair. Uh, I'll take a nice Cryolophosaurus. Uh, fine choice. Um, you got one of those left. Excellent. Uh, I would like to be a a genetically engineered raptor um, with green eyes. Ugh, great, another one of these assholes. Yeah, that's going to cost you extra. Oh, don't worry. Money's not a problem for me because I don't have any. Uh, do you have a line of credit? Oh, no. Um, no. All right, whatever. Um, well, I, to tell, tell you what, we can owe you, and when you turn us into dinosaurs, we'll use our dinosaur powers to rob a bank and get you the money. Look, hon, I just don't think that's going to work out, but also, they're closing this place down because we can't sell any more fishing wire because the fishing wire we use is made out of um, illegal licorice substance. Oh, so yeah. That's uh, shut down so many businesses in Detroit recently because yeah, of the whatever. pandemic. I'm moving to Florida and starting a monster truck daycare center. Oh yeah, yeah, for all those Floridians who need to to have their uh, monster trucks watched with the little the tentacles that come out of the engine. Did anyone see that movie? Nobody saw that movie. Nobody did they? saw that movie. All right, well if you could just step inside of the Dino Transformation Chamber, be sure to take off all of your clothes and to not enter with any other organic matter. All right. Uh, just uh, gonna <clears throat> strip down here. Oh, um, yeah. Let me go in, too, just to save time. Oh, no. Two people can't go into the machine at yeah, the same I, time. I think there's not supposed uh, to be looks more like organic matter in I'm here. I'm hitting the button. What? No, don't hit the button. <laughs> you enjoyed this uh this podcast here with these, uh, with these two uh, i guess um i'll be back later <laughs>